0: I think we've learned a lot in 2021, 2022, and I'm sure we'll continue to learn more in 2023. But a couple of the things that we really are trying to focus on and improve in 2023 are to streamline our offerings a little bit, where we're able to check a lot of the eligibility in a much easier way than we were able to check in 2022.
1: Welcome to The Future Faster, a sustainable agriculture podcast by Nutrient Ag Solutions, with our very own Tom Daniel, Director, North America Retail and Grower Sustainable Ag, and Dr. Sally Fliss, Senior Manager, North America Sustainable Ag and Carbon. This is your opportunity to learn about the next horizon in sustainable agriculture, for growers, for partners, for the planet. To us, it's not about changing what's always worked, it's about continuing to do the little things that make a big impact. On this week's episode, we're going to take a look back at some of the sustainability lessons we learned last year and outline the sustainability program offerings for Nutrient Ag Solutions growers in 2023. These are opportunities not only to contribute to the sustainability cause, but also to generate new revenue streams for your operation. So you're not going to want to miss this. But if you haven't yet, make sure you're subscribed to this podcast in your favorite app. Also, make sure to follow Nutrient Ag Solutions on Facebook and Instagram. I'm Dusty Weiss, and it's time once again to introduce Tom Daniel and Sally Fliss. And Tom and Sally, hey, how you doing? It's been a minute. We all haven't really gotten together and talked since before Christmas here, so it's uh, good to get the band back together and everything. But hope you guys had a uh, great holiday and uh, happy new year and all. What's new on your end?
2: Dusty, the first thing, Sally and I want to make sure you got our Christmas gift. I don't know if it got through or not.
1: Christmas gift? That must have uh, got hung up on the sleigh out in all the snow that we got.
2: I think it was Southwest Airlines was shipping it to you, so it should have got there. So, Sally, I think we have been pretty active over the last few weeks, right? I don't think sustainability ever stops with a holiday, but what are some of the things that you've been looking at?
0: Yeah, so we ended out... 2022 with a flurry of events in November and early December, where we recognized some of our crop consultants and growers for their sustainable practices in the field, interacted with people who participated in pilots that we've held over the last two years and attended a few larger conferences to try and figure out who our new partners might be going into the 2023 and beyond crop seasons. So the first thing I'd like to talk about, Tom, is our Sustainable Success Champions program that we awarded our first 18 growers and crop consultants in 2022 in Phoenix.
2: Yeah, that was an awesome weekend. We tied that into the uh, NASCAR championship, the Xfinity race championship that weekend in Phoenix. And it was just a great time to meet with some of the most progressive growers, a lot of them that we work with. And these were people, Sally, that were actually nominated. By their Nutrient Ag Solutions crop consultant. So I know you set this program up and it was very successful. Can you give us a description of what we were looking for in a, a sustainable success champion?
0: This program let us recognize growers and crop consultants that are doing sustainable practices in the field, really working in partnership together to get those practices implemented on the ground, and may or may not be participating in any of our actual carbon programs or other sort of credit or outcome generating programs, but are just implementing good practices in the field in a partnership. So we had growers from across the country involved in this because we recognize growers and in each of our five sales regions. So, we also had some Canadian growers that were recognized. So, we did have a nice diversity in the growers and the crops and the crop consultants that came together. And I think for me, Tom, One of the most exciting things about that event was watching the growers from California that are not as large landholders because they're growing much higher value crops interact with some of our real high acreage growers from the east and from Canada that what the differences are and what they can learn from each other and just seeing that interaction was just really exciting to watch that weekend.
2: It really was, Sally. And what I enjoyed too is to see the interaction between the nutrient crop consultants. They were proud of the growers they brought along with them, and it's the interaction between those two that I thought just created a really nice feel for the entire event because they were both being recognized for their sustainable practices. And some of the things were so different, Sally. There were so many different crops represented there. There were conservation practices that were in place on all of the these farms. There were people doing uh, nitrogen and fertilizer management on the farms, water management. There were so many different aspects of sustainability represented, but each one of those growers shared a lot of information back with each other, and I think it was just a
0: good time for idea sharing. Exactly. So we'll be continuing that program and be on the lookout for information about when applications will open again. But the plan is to keep building that group of growers and crop consultants to have so they can interact with each other and so that we can help tell the stories. Tom, you attended the Sustainable Brands meeting in California at the end of 2022. What was the atmosphere of that meeting and who did you all interact with at that meeting?
2: Well, just about every player that was in the, we call it the CPG world, but consumer products groups, they were very much engaged. It was the Walmarts and the the Nestle and all of the different companies that were there that are looking at sustainability metrics when it comes to their packaged products that are being sold to the consumer today. So it was a good collaboration of everybody. We were really the only ag retailer at the Sustainable Brands Conference, but it was interesting that we seemed to get a lot of the attention because all of those brands, whether it be uh, Nestle or Kellogg or whoever it was that uh, may have been at the function, they were all looking at how do they have more interaction with growers because everyone recognized that field level practices and things that happen with the grower are the way to get to sustainably sourced food. And so just a lot of discussion around that. It was a big event. It lasted several days. We got to interact with just everybody from NGOs, like the Cotton Trust Protocol all the way down to digital companies that were there showing off their wares around um, tracking and traceability and those type of things. So really good event, Sally. And, and look, you got to go to an event that I didn't get to go to, and that was the Canadian Carbon Summit that was held at uh, Saskatoon back in the end of November. Give us some feedback on what that looked like.
0: Well, it was cold up there. Probably not the best time to have a meeting in Saskatoon. But we did get, I want to say we had 75 to 100 people that attended that meeting. Again, that mix of growers and crop consultants that have participated over the last two years in our Canadian carbon programs and really was a good opportunity for us to share with them what we've learned over the last two years. What they liked, what they didn't like, what we're thinking going forward, and really work towards that collaborative programming so that we're bringing something to the field that works for the field and works for the grower and works for meeting the sustainable ag metrics that we're looking to report on in things like our ESG report every year. And so it was a really good meeting. We had some of our sustainable success champions that joined us up there and were able to talk about how they work with their crop consultants in order to implement practices on the ground. We had some good background on not only how the weather is changing because of the climate impacts that we're having, but also how weather impacts the practices we can implement and what's going to work on the ground. And then a good discussion and presentations on what is really happening in the soil as we talk about sequestering carbon and how do these different practices that we're talking to growers about change that soil organic carbon profile. So it was a great meeting, lots of good feedback. I think overall, everybody's looking for stuff to be a little little bit more simple and we'd love to be more simple. So I, I think in the next part of the show, we're going to talk about our 2023 programs and a little bit about how we're going to try and streamline that message in 2023 as we bring items to the field. Yeah. And Sally, I want
2: to call out Carlos Romero, who is part of our sustainable ag team in Canada. He just did a yeoman's work on getting that project, the summit through the finish gate. And I I just want to call out and, and compliment him on such a good job that he did.
0: Yes, for sure. Carlos has been such a great driver for everything that we've been working on in Canada over the last year. And what we'll be looking to do with that Carbon Summit idea is have some events in conjunction with some of the bigger events that occur in Canada through the summer where we bring growers that are interested in carbon or sustainability together to continue these conversations as we look at building programs out.
2: So Sally, the last event, big event, we've attended several, but the last big event that we can kind of mention is the Sustainable Ag Summit. And it was also, if I'm not wrong, was held in Phoenix too. I didn't get to attend that, but you did. Give us a little background on the purpose of that summit and what you um, observed while you were there.
0: So the Sustainable Ag Summit is, I want to say, about 10 years old now. It started as an event that field-to-market The group that we run our sustainability metrics through their field print calculator on all the acres that we're working on in programs started to bring more of the industry together, a little bit like what you saw at sustainable brands, but with more of an ag presence than what you saw at the sustainable brands meeting. It's actually now run by the field to market group, some of the US dairy people, poultry, pork and beef organizations all contribute to the content of that meeting and to the attendance of that meeting. So it's gotten quite large. I want to say there's somewhere around 700 or 800 people, at least, if not more. It was a very well-attended meeting. One thing that was super unique for us this year is that we were able to bring some more Nutrient Ag Solutions field staff with us to that meeting. So one of the things, Tom, I know you hear this in the field too, is we get asked very directly as Sally or Tom or Nutrien, why are you asking us to do this? Why are you asking us to sign up for sustainability? Why are you asking us to sign up for carbon programs? And so it was a great perspective to be able to bring those crop consultants to this meeting and get them interacting with and meeting the people that are asking us to supply the data back on things like sustainable ag metrics. And so it was a nice connection for them to make. And I commented at one point that people had a hard time trying to talk to me because everywhere I went, I was surrounded by a bunch of nutrient people. So that was pretty exciting that people noticed we had that large of a presence there as well. So that's a meeting we attend every year. And some years we do presentations there. This year, we really were just there to interact and take in some of the content. Awesome.
2: And Dusty, that's kind of a recap of all the different conferences and functions that we attended this fall. So a lot of things that were accomplished, especially in the last quarter of 2022.
1: Yeah, Tom and Sally, certainly a strong finish to a strong 2022, but... Certainly not surprising, coming from the hardest-working sustainability team in the ag industry, and I know you two have the frequent flyer miles to prove it. But we're already building up momentum for 2023, and I know that you all have some big plans for the year ahead. We want to pick through what some of those are, what the new offerings are for growers, and all the opportunities that they're going to have to interact with the sustainability team in 2023. And that's coming up next, here on The Future Faster.
3: FarmSmart is the core of Nutrient Ag Solutions' sustainable agriculture offerings. Leading the field with growers to record positive environmental impacts while identifying and embracing new revenue streams. In leveraging practices and products and recording your outcomes, your reward for making informed agronomic decisions will be waiting for you in our digital sustainability platform. The data you input can help set a baseline, identify opportunities for continued improvement, and help qualify you for market access opportunities. We're here to maximize incentives and help ensure the legacy of your operation. Getting started with FarmSmart is easy. Log in or create an account with Agrible, then track your data and get paid. Getting started now means we can get to the future faster. FarmSmart, where sustainability meets opportunity. NutrientActSolutions.com FarmSmart.
1: This is The Future Faster, a sustainable agriculture podcast by Nutrient Ag Solutions. I'm Dusty Weiss, along with Tom Daniel and Sally Fliss, and we're looking back at the accomplishments that our grower customers and retail employees achieved in 2022, taking a look at some of the things that we learned and seeing how we're going to apply those now to our 2023 Sustainable Ag Program offerings.
0: Yeah, Dusty. I think we've learned a lot in 2021, 2022, and I'm sure we'll continue to learn more in 2023. But a couple of the things that we really are trying to focus on and improve in 2023 are to streamline our offerings a little bit. In the 2022 offerings around carbon, especially, we really tried to provide probably too much detail on the program as we pushed Things out to farmers and crop consultants which just ended up in a lot of confusion. So we've streamlined some of the programs on our side where we're able to check a lot of the eligibility in a much easier way than we were able to check in 2022. And so we're able to take out some of those qualifying questions that a grower or crop consultant has to have in the field around whether or not they should sign up for a program and really get it down to some basic questions on the carbon program around nitrogen management and whether or not they're interested in maybe implementing a practice like cover crops or no-till.
2: Yeah, and Sally, there was a lot of success that you guys had in 2022, especially around the fact that you almost doubled your acres in North America that were registered in carbon program. That's from 2021 to 2022. And I like what you just said, that we recognize that you can overcomplicate these things to a certain extent. So everything has to be more digestible, I think is the term for it. So our retail guys need to have something that they can take to a grower, simply explain and then we can provide the backup for those type systems. And even the grower offering, education to the grower to let him know what's a viable option form or what maybe is not a viable option for him. I think there's just as much need to educate the grower on the good and the bad for these different programs and I think that's our responsibility. And one other thing that I'll mention, we had our traceability projects in 2022, just had a big opportunity to represent growers to the consumer market around both rice and cotton programs that we had in 2022. And we learned so much from those. fact what we really learned is just how complicated that whole process is and what's required to transfer field level data all the way from the farm to the consumer shelf. And it's not an easy process and it does require a lot of lift. And so We've had a lot of learning on traceability. We believe that that is truly going to be a viable market for our future and ways that we can help our growers get better opportunities for revenue streams on the farm. But we've got a lot to work through and get figured out on those programs, but we're going to continue to work through those as we look to the future state and future crop years. So anyway, that's kind of about traceability a little bit, Dusty.
0: Tom, I want to circle back to that grower offer a little bit. One of the shifts that we made mid-season in our Sustainable Nitrogen Outcomes Program in messaging was changing our offer and our promotions from the grower would receive $15 a ton for carbon equivalents per acre, which generally was getting interpreted in the field as the grower's going to get $15 an acre. But then when we walk them through the details of the program and how it's really based around what percentage rate reduction you make, and if you use a nitrification inhibitor or a slow controlled release fertilizer, and the grower was really only seeing $1.50 to maybe $4 an acre, That was a challenge for the growers and the crop consultants and everybody in the field. So before we rolled out our fall marketing, we shifted that to be, here's kind of the range that we would expect you to be at for payment per acre based on a specific set of practices for a specific crop. Because that gets us out of, we're up to $25 a ton for carbon equivalents now, but bringing that number to growers and having that misinterpretation of $25 a ton is $25 an acre, and then people being disappointed, but really trying to be a little more direct in, this is what you should see per acre if you implement this set of practices.
2: So, Sally, one question I have, and I know in our 2023 programs, we're going to have a lot of focus on measurement projects in 2023. And I always get the question from our field guys, what do you mean by a measurement project? And I think the best way to describe it is we would call it baselining. In other words, understanding the current grower practices that are in the field and then applying environmental metrics to that. That's something you've been directly involved in all year. Can you kind of give us a description of some of the projects we're working on and what are some of the things that we're looking for?
0: Yeah, Tom, baselining really is a good way to put that versus measurement. We've always kind of called it measurement because what we're doing is measuring what's really happening within a supply shed. Or for a specific type of crop or a specific type of grower versus these sort of grower expected practices. So based on USDA surveys or based on other locally available data, sustainability metrics are calculated for a crop within a supply shed. And generally those numbers are pretty out of date for what types of practices are actually being adopted on the ground for growers. So what these programs let us do is working with our supply shed partners, figure out what is really happening on the ground and what can we say about how much more sustainable our growers might be versus what those grower expected practices are. And then also be able to figure out where are areas that we can continue to drive sustainability even farther, because now we know what practices are actually implemented on the ground. And we can really start to fine tune those whole acre solutions to what is the need in that supply shed for making that next sustainability step. So our biggest partner in this is Ardent Mills. And working with them, we're all across North America measuring on wheat. And now we've added some chickpeas and lentils to that as well in order to meet the demands that they have for some of their new mills in the Northwest. And so we'll be adding some variety to the reporting on that one and some different supply sheds, which is exciting to see them continue to diversify the program with us as well. That program is really just collecting the data. There are some acres that'll have, like I mentioned, that whole acre solution associated with them. And for that, we work with the region and the division and the branch locations to figure out what is the right solution to bring forward to those growers to drive, like I say, that next step in sustainability in those fields.
2: Yeah. And Sally, when you talk about a whole acre solution, so I'm going to give a plug here real quick. When you think about whole acre solutions, we've kind of labeled or branded that now to be what we call a farm smart solution. So those are solutions that are aimed for certain potential outcomes. And in the case of the projects that you're working in wheat right now, it could be lower greenhouse gas emissions, more productivity on an acre. Those solutions, those farm smart solutions are designed to drive to a specific outcome that that company, whether it be Arden Mills or whoever, is is looking for. So, just want to say that we're working toward the strength of nutrient today is in the agronomic solution space where we're interacting directly with the grower. So, as you do these baseline projects, these measurement projects, now we understand where the grower is based on current practices and we can start driving the outcome by the agronomic solutions we put in place to a new place or a better position on the environmental metrics coming off the farm.
0: We'll also be continuing our Sustainable Nitrogen Outcomes Program, Tom. We're expanding the crops we had from last year. We'll focus a lot of our discussion in the field around some of the bigger acreage crops like corn grain, cotton, and the different spring and winter wheat crops. But barley is eligible. Sorghum is eligible. Processing tomatoes are eligible where those are grown. So there are some things beyond just those big three crops of corn, cotton, and wheat that are eligible for the program. So make sure to check out the Sustainable Nitrogen Outcomes Program. And as I mentioned earlier, our price per ton is up to $25 a ton for carbon equivalents this year. But what that breaks out to is for the corn grain with a 5% rate reduction and the use of a nitrification inhibitor, about $3 an acre for improving your nitrogen management. So we're not asking for a big practice change and it doesn't matter what other carbon practices, cover crops, no-till that might be happening on that acre. It's just around the nitrogen management. Again, it's a short-term agreement like we had last year. It's a one-year contract with the grower and when the data is collected and we can calculate outcomes, then the grower gets paid for improving that nitrogen use efficiency on the acre. Tom, the question we always get in the field is, "How does this going to impact my yield for changing rate? And one of the safeguards in the system is that we can't generate a carbon credit if we have to show that we've displaced yield. So that's where that whole acre solution or our farm smart solution becomes really important. And how do we continue to drive yield while we look at making some rate changes as we implement these practices on the landscape?
2: Right, Sally. And I know that there's already some details that we're ready to release around the spring offer, but without getting into that detail today, it sounds like that growers can count on at least a minimum payment on an acre if he enrolls in our Sustainable Nitrogen Outcomes Program.
0: Yes. If the grower enrolls in the program and gets all their data submitted, they will get a minimum payment of $1.50 an acre. Once they've committed all of their data into Agrible, And then whatever the difference between a dollar and the actual outcome generated or modeled for nitrous oxide emission reductions as carbon dioxide equivalents is the grower will get paid in addition to that. So in that corn case, the grower would get paid once their data is committed, the dollar fifty an acre. And then once we've calculated their outcome, they'd get an additional dollar or so an acre for the actual outcomes that were generated on that field.
2: Awesome. And really, the only thing that has to be sure to be in place is the 5% rate reduction. And obviously, the grower can enhance his payment if he uses some type of nitrogen stabilizer. Am I correct?
0: Yes. The biggest boost in emission reduction comes when a grower adds in either a nitrification inhibitor or a slow control release product. The payments on just a 5% rate reduction are pretty low and would probably just be about that $1.50 an acre for most growers. But if you add a product like a nitrate bullet or an NSERV or like a super U fertilizer that has nitrification inhibitors on it already, those are going to help boost that reduction because of the way they slow down the release of the nitrogen in the field and leave more of it available for the crop to take up.
2: So, Sally, I know in the cotton markets especially, there's been a lot of work with using some of the, uh, what I call the black products, the humic acid-based products like, I think, LPI's product, Black Max 22 Some of those type of products when they're mixed in with UAN and they've actually shown really good optimization of the nitrogen fertilizer to the point that I think some growers have even chosen to make some reductions in nitrogen. So can those acres, even though they may not use a denitrification product, could those acres enroll for just the rate reduction itself and and receive a carbon payment that way?
0: Yes. They would receive a carbon payment for that. Since none of those products are specifically classified as a nitrification inhibitor, they wouldn't get that extra boost. But if they're making the rate reduction with a farm smart solution package like that, then yeah, it'd be great to get them into the Sustainable Nitrogen Outcomes Program as well. So
2: one other project that you're actively involved in, you've got all of North America to deal with on carbon programs, but the Maple Leaf Project, which has been a really good partner for Nutrient Ag Solutions in Canada, they're really focused on reducing their carbon footprint in their meat products division. And they've been doing a lot of work around what we call Scope 3 And so I know that we've been very active and in a partner with them moving forward. And can you kind of give us some of the requirements that are there for a grower to participate in Canada in this program?
0: Yes. The Maple Leaf Program, this will be the third year that we've partnered with Maple Leaf to bring a carbon program out to the field that works for the grower, for us, and for Maple Leaf in implementation and reporting. And so this program is a little bit different because we follow a different protocol than the protocol that we use in the U.S. where we're required to make that 5% rate reduction for a grower or a field to participate. In Canada, the field has to be in no-till. And they must have a 4R nutrient plan for nitrogen. There's no rate reduction associated with it, but the more 4R practices like variable rate or the use of a nitrification inhibitor or split applications that they're using in their management, the higher the outcome they're going to generate as they participate in the program.
2: So that's been a very successful project. I know that project has basically doubled acres every year, and the expectation is we're going to double it one more time in 2023. So it is a different program. The fact that you can go from basic to intermediate to advanced in your nitrogen management protocol and then get different layers of payment, it's a 4R-based program, as you said, and it's just been very well accepted in the Canadian market so far.
0: It has. We are going to be working in the U.S. to see how we could look at doing something more on that four-hour basis and not so much focused on rate reduction to have as available as probably a 2024 type program around carbon. Because we know there's growers out there that another rate reduction really just isn't going to work for them. If they're already 08 0.75 pounds of nitrogen per bushel of corn, there's really not room for rate reduction to be their next step. But if we're looking at emission reductions on an annual basis, there may be another four-hour practice they could tie in there in order to maintain that same nitrogen use efficiency or compared to a local nitrogen use efficiency that we can get them into a carbon program looking at that 2024 cropping season. So trying to get away from that rate reduction driven program, not that there isn't a lot of fine tuning to still be done in nitrogen rates across the countryside, but there's also growers that are limited because they're already really nitrogen efficient. So Tom, we've covered a lot of the programs that I've laid on with the measurement and the carbon programs, but the program you've been really deeply involved in is our traceability programs across the countryside. What are we going to be looking at for traceability in 2023?
2: Well, I guess the key thing to say is, Sally, we're still working on the volume and the scope of this project, how big it will be. We do have rice and cotton in our 2022 project, and our plan today is is to evaluate moving forward in 2023 in both rice and cotton. The key pieces to traceability, which people need to be aware of, in lots of cases in the consumer world today, a lot of your food processors today are using what we would describe as a mass volume approach. And so traceability goes away from mass volume. And by mass volume, I mean we measure a set number of acres within a certain geography that a uh, producer or that a processor may be pulling product from. And they use that measurement off those small acres to account for measurement across all the acres in that geography. And in most cases, we find that to be, you know, it's a simple way to get there, but there's a better way. And the better way is where we're actually measuring field-level data And we're actually attempting to certify or understand the data coming off those fields and exactly how do they compare with grower management practices that are regionally in that area. So what we're pushing is to have field level data. Traced all the way through the system so that when the consumer buys a, a package of product, they can look and see a label and know exactly where that product was produced and exactly how the environmental metrics for the way it was produced were done. So we want that product to show some type of sustainable sourcing. And the consumers then will have an opportunity to pay a premium for that product if they believe that's something they choose to do, just like they do in organic today. But they will know that when they buy that product, that it was measured, it was sustainable sourced, and we know where it came from. So, it's not a mass volume approach. It's field level information. So, we believe that's going to be a key component moving forward. And if you're watching articles in the magazines today or online, there's a lot of discussion about greenwashing and those things. And we're trying to push data into the system that actually verifies and validates the information that's going to the consumer shelf. So that's one of our big focuses. We think, Sally, that that's going to be one of the big drivers for us moving forward. So want to mention it because we're going to be strictly in a pilot again in 2023. Our hope is to have some type of commercial launch in 2024, if we can get it all figured out like we want to.
1: Well, it's exciting news, Tom, and there's certainly a lot of great sustainability reasons to get involved with these programs, but a lot of great opportunities to bring in some extra revenue as well. The last thing that I imagine that our grower customers and crop consultants are wondering right now is, how do I get enrolled in these 2023 Sustainable Ag Program offerings?
0: So the first thing to do is to visit agrible.com. That's A-G-R-I-B-L-E.com and click the check eligibility button. And that button will then take you through a series of questions that's going to show you which programs are available in your geography. And then we can work with you on our customer success team and with your crop consultant to figure out what the best fit is for you going into the 2023 cropping season.
1: And Sally, we will drop a clickable link in the episode description for that as well. Certainly, planning season is right around the corner, so it's time to get enrolled right now. Tom Daniel, Director, North America Retail and Grower Sustainable Egg, and Dr. Sally Fliss, Senior Manager, North America Sustainable Egg and Carbon. Looking forward to seeing you two again really soon as well. Thanks for uh, getting us up to speed on all that stuff. That is going to conclude this edition of the Future Faster, the pursuit of sustainable success with Nutrien Ag Solutions. New episodes arrive every month, so make sure you subscribe in your favorite app and join us again soon. Visit futurefaster.com to learn more. The Future Faster podcast is brought to you by Nutrien Ag Solutions with executive producer Connor Irwin and editing by Larry Kilgore III. And it's produced by PodCamp Media. Branded podcast production for businesses, podcampmedia.com. For Nutrient Egg Solutions, thanks for listening. I'm Dusty Weiss.